Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey, it's Anthony Whitaker here, and welcome to another episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. And whether this is your first time or you're a regular listener, it's always great to have you here. Now, before we get started today, I want to say thank you for the ratings and reviews for the podcast. I really appreciate that many of you have taken the time to do that. So please keep them coming. Now, the fact that you're listening to this means that you're probably a salon owner and therefore could probably be loosely described as an entrepreneur. And if you're a regular listener, you probably gathered that I love nothing more than a good entrepreneurial story where we get an insight and an understanding into the highs and lows of what it takes each of us on our unique journey to turn the dream into reality. Because when we share our dream and the journey we take, It gives others the inspiration and the courage to pursue their dream too. My guest on today's podcast is Victoria Tarrant, a hairdresser who has a dream to solve a problem that exists in every salon, and that is addressing the issue of color wastage and everything surrounding that, from the impact that it has on salon profits to correct pricing of color services, the environmental impact that wastage has, and efficient inventory management. In today's podcast, we will discuss what exactly is Smart Mix, how it differs from competing brands, and the journey that Victoria has taken to get it to the point that it's at, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Victoria. Hi, Anthony. Thank you for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm intrigued by uh, who you are and what you're doing. And uh, I think it's a a very interesting story you've got. And I know a lot of people will be inspired by it. So let's start off with an overview of who you are, your background, etc. So who is Victoria Tarrant? Give us your sort of two minute backstory and then we can dig into the good bits. Sure. So I started hairdressing 17 years ago. Uh, I was still at school at the time. I had the opportunity to start as a Saturday girl, then moved on to an apprenticeship at the same salon. So it happens that my mum had uh, qualified in. So I come from a family of hairdressers. Granddad even touched on it in the army. So he taught me my beard trims and eyebrow shapes. Wow. And uh, as the years went on, um, the opportunity to have my own place came into my lap, really. It wasn't something that I sought after. I was quite driven and um, motivated towards property development as an uh, aspiration. So mm. hairdressing was the route. And then a salon came into my, um, my path. And I've had my salon now for 11 years. It's been the best thing I ever did, or one of. And uh, throughout the time that I've had the salon, the idea was there that we had a big problem in our hairdressing industry and I love solving problems. So I chose to address that problem with a new year's resolution. And thus a second business was born called Precision Color, whereby I present an application that harnesses technology to solve the color waste problem in 
the hairdressing industry. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Oh, okay. So let's let's dig into that because that's what we're going to talk about, precision colour. Um, so here you are, you're a hairdresser, you're a salon owner, and like all salon owners, you pay lots of bills, et cetera, and you try and keep those bills under control and you see a lot of product getting rinsed down the sink and, you know, you start to think, you know, we, we need to minimise that. We need to get on top of this wastage. We need to be better at measuring and weighing and all this sort of stuff. So that part of the story is the story of every salon owner. But where did this sort of big idea come from that you, uh, you know, you're doing hair in the salon and you're thinking, I'm going to invent an app for that. I mean, that's a huge sort of leap from, you know, it being an idea to actually sort of going, I'm going to do this. So, so, so tell us about, you know, what, what was the sort of catalyst behind that? So I identified the issue when I was actually rinsing this waste down the sink as a junior mm. where okay. I first worked and not realizing at the time that I like solving problems. I just knew that you didn't go to my boss with a problem unless you had a solution for it. Okay. Else the door would be presented. So I tried to rack my brains in thinking, how would you solve that problem? Because we're driven through speed when it comes to, you know, mixing the hair color. Yeah. So Hence the waste, really. We just want to know that we've got enough and that we don't need to go back to mix more. Um, but when I was trusted to start mixing colour, I realised, well, there's a bit of a pattern here. I'm always using half a tube for a root colour for our clients that are every six weeks. Mm -hmm. And a head can only be so big and hair can only be so long. And so there's some kind of, you know, pattern. So I made a table on a Microsoft Word document and um, I presented that to my boss and I said, look, you know, T-zone, 30 grams, this amount of hair, blah, blah, blah. He loved it. Mm. Um, but being as he was, he halved all of my weights okay. and he printed it, yes. laminated it and put that on the color mixing bar uh, yeah. on the wall. And so I was really excited about it being, you know, a solution. And all of the girls that I worked with there, I'd have considered my friends, you know, they are my friends. And so I approached them. I said, girls, what do you think of the, uh, of the chart? And they said, well, it's ridiculous. It's never going to be enough color. Yeah, not yeah. using it. Yeah. I thought, how, how could they? How could they ignore it? I, I did it. And, uh, and that was the first lesson, really, that even if someone's your friend, if it's their work, then there's different motivations involved and you need something stronger. Yeah. So as years went on, I thought, well, it has to be in the scale then. You know, if rather than getting to zero when you're about to mix a color, perhaps you got to 30 and then it counted down. And perhaps that's where, you know, the solution was that if you took away the ability to come away from doing it and going back to doing it the way you've always done it, yeah, in there lies the solution. So it wasn't for years later that this idea then became more of a reality when I had a, um, not a eureka moment, but a sort of epiphany. And I thought, well, do you know what? New Year's resolution time. I'm really going to do something with this idea. So, so how long ago was the Microsoft Word document that you gave to the boss? Oh, 2008. Right. So the, the sort of thinking behind it was sort of, you know, alive and kicking then. Yeah. But then fast forward, you've opened your own salon. Was it when you had your own salon that you decided to New Year's resolution time? Yeah, it was okay. because obviously then you go from being part of the problem to paying for this problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Different. 
Okay. And and so are you naturally techie? Uh, no. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's just about what I could fathom to do the Microsoft document, but Okay. Uh, so so how did it progress from the Microsoft Word document that you put together or or whatever it was to you thinking we could turn this into an app? What was that step like? Uh good question. So I started with this idea and I thought, well, this is great, but what do you do when something doesn't exist and you want to buy it? How do you make yeah. a prototype? Where do you go first? Do you get a patent? What do you mm. do? And I've I've met some fantastic people on the way of this journey that have devoted their time to me. So complimentary because they like ideas, you know, people like innovation. Yeah. Um, but actually at the time it was my accountant that I approached. Okay. And And he looked at me and said, you need someone in tech. And I'll, I'll always remember the day, Anthony, when he took his Gucci glasses off and he scratched his head and he went, Jerry Real. I said, who's that? And he said, he's your guy. He's your guy. We'll ring him now. And I love action reaction. Right? Yeah, so yeah, we're in yeah. office and he puts him on loudspeaker and he answered. So all of the things into place, it's like a film in my memory now. And Jerry answers and, uh, and Andrew explained, okay, yep, so I've got this young lady here. She's a hairdresser. She's got this problem, Jerry, and I think that you can help. You're a tech guy. And just a quick backstory on Jerry. He worked for a big, um, a big, big company, and he developed his own software on one side of that. He came away from it, developed a software for um, the government that they still use to this day and sold that back to the company, um, worked as a chairman for a while and then came away with a nice, um, a nice, you know, payoff for that. So yeah. he's got a lot of experience in taking a product to market and in yeah. tech in this way. And so uh, he agreed to come and meet me. Mm. So how long ago are we talking now? So that's about six years ago. Right. Okay. Cause I'm thinking, you know, when you mentioned 2006, well, the yeah. iPhone hadn't even been developed then. I mean, apps, yeah, weren't a, exactly. apps weren't a thing then. Do you know what I mean? No, so I'm just trying in no. my head to sort of yeah. look, look at this journey. Okay, so so he he you're on speakerphone and he's sort of interested, and then you decide yeah. to meet up. Yeah, and is he is he the tech guy or does he have the contacts of the tech people? He has the contacts exactly right. that. He has the contacts. So he came to meet me at the salon, and I didn't even have an office at the time, and it was yeah. like girls make sure everything's tidy. There's a, there's a millionaire coming in the salon today. And mm. it was raining. And I remember them all saying, we could tell he was a millionaire because his teeth were so white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's the, he's the backer, is he? He's the financer? So, no, he's not the financer, you see, because he came in that day and he, mm. he looked at the problem. I explained it to him. I showed him the colour bar. And he said, well, yeah, so the answer is yes, this can be done. There's a solution mm. here. Why me? And there was my Dragon's Den pitch then. Mm. Okay. All of a sudden, I realized, oh, gosh, I need to I need to sell myself to him for him to join okay. me on this. So, so, so my American audience, when Victoria yeah. says Dragon's Den, that is what you refer to as Shark Tank. In America, they have a thing called Shark Tank. Here we call it yeah. Dragon's Den. It's exactly the same thing. So, yeah. OK, so carry on. So that was your moment where you had to pitch to this guy. I mean, I, I'm intrigued by that story. So, yeah, um, I managed to think on the spot and I'm mm. really pleased with my answers. I can barely remember them, but I just tried to upsell the glamour of the hairdressing industry, knowing that he hadn't touched on that right. area before. Mm. I said, you know, this is going to take you to different avenues. We'll be on trains going to headquarters in Geneva, these different manufacturers, <laughs> mm. this stuff. And uh, yeah, I got an email shortly after saying I'm in. 
Great, fantastic. Good. Okay, so so he's not the financer. So is he just like your mentor? Is he like someone yeah. who has helps you take an idea to market? Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So so very quickly early on in the conversation, you must have been told by someone or found it out yourself that this problem was already being solved, that there was already apps out there that did this. So, you know, I'm sure you're aware of Vish. I'm sure you're aware of Salon Scale. I mean, I know we spoke about it before we started recording. Um, so, so tell me about that side of it. Once you sort of saw that there were tools out there that someone else had already taken to market that was solving this problem, how did that sort of impact on your idea? So, yeah, I mean, I remember where I was actually when Jerry emailed me because he started doing some research and he said, mm. oh, is it a bit like this? And uh, Vish and Salon Scale weren't around at the time, but a different company, um, they were called Shortint at that mm. moment. And uh, they had it. They had it all there. And I just I didn't cry, but I remember thinking, well, that's it. I'm too late. I've this is it. You can't do it. <laughs> and Jerry laughed at me and he said, oh, Victoria, he said, tell me how many brands of hair straightener you use in the salon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Said, oh, OK. Penny's dropping now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But instead, it reassured him that, yeah, you're right. There is a problem in this industry. Hmm. And competition is great. Harness it. You know, let's let's get moving with this. And he was right, indeed, that it was an app. It was his idea hmm. uh, that this needed to be an app. He laughed at my L sort of LED screen on a, on a scale that I had in mind. Hmm. Um, and then that's when we started pushing forward with that and using, like you said, his contacts were um, exactly what sort of launched this because, you know, you don't want to invest lots of time and lots of money. Initially, you want to kind of research the problem and the area and get your direction correct in the first place. And thankfully, yeah, Jerry's got good contacts and they like him and they devoted lots of their uh, free time to the project. And I owe mm. it to them in the beginning, in the early days, because we spent hours, hours and hours going over it with a fine tooth comb, how this was going to work yeah. and how yeah. it was going to look. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. So had you, um, once you found out about, you know, uh, I forgot the name of the one you just said, um, my intelligent oh. assistant, was that the one you said? That's, well, yeah, sure. they're LaRue now. Yeah, LaRue now. Yeah, they, the name's yeah. changed, I think, and that's got a yeah. lot of people confused. Uh, yeah. But then, as I said before, we've now got Vish and we've got Salon Scale and we've got yeah. LaRue and, uh, you know, whoever else trying to get in on this space. Um, have you used any of them? Did you then, you know, go and have a look I at them? It. I mean, would be... Yeah, I mean, I went on there. Obviously, I've been on their websites and things, mm. um, and friends had brought it to my attention salon owner friends of mine had rang me and said oh is this you because they knew about my idea and things like that yeah and so that was actually quite a calming moment at that point because I had already established that competition is you know a good thing yeah um, and it was really lovely to see the way that they were doing it because when you are doing something on your own mm. it's very hard to compare yourself you know so you know how do you present x and what does y look like and yeah. you know there are hundreds of companies that do salon diary software. So mm. until that point, really, that's my own, only point of reference or comparison, really. Yeah. So, so what's the difference between, you know, what you've developed with Precision yeah. Colour and, say, uh, Vish or um, uh, Salon Scale? What's, what's your sort of USP? 
Um, so that's the best bit that I like. That's the best question I like to answer in that, in my mind, from the beginning, how you stop this problem, how you solve this problem as quickly as possible is to eliminate the day, the waste from day one. Mm -hmm. And for me, in my mind, that involved being told how much you need. That was the key thing that surely mm -hmm. the quantity is the answer. So that's what has taken me the extra time, you know, in the production of it alongside needing to run my own salon, um, we spent years collecting data. Mm -hmm. So as I said to you before, a head is only a certain size, a hair length is only so long and a thickness. On top of that, you've got all your different color services. Mm -hmm. And then obviously all the different color mixes, different ratios and things like this. So to this day, um, the app stores over 315 mixes so that every time you go to mix a colour, it tells you how much you will need. Okay. What do you mean 315 mixes? What does that mean? So it means that if I were to go to the app and say, okay, I'm doing a T-zone of highlights or I'm doing a balayage on thick hair, medium length, medium thickness, mm. a root length of a centimetre, that's a mix. That's a right. quantity. Okay. As soon as you change any of that criteria, you get another one. Right. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So I thought for a minute you were meaning 350 clients worth of information or something in there. So it's not that at all. So it's 315 different permutations of what you might do in terms of a colour yeah. technique. Have I got that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Which okay. kind of illustrates the problem even more. I mean, how are yeah. you going to keep that in your head? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're about to pick the colour. Yeah. Okay. So it goes right back to your initial spreadsheet idea. Tell them exactly. how much they need. So yeah. Yeah, it goes right back to that, but then you're turning it into tech. Okay. So you've done all this. You obviously like numbers. You, you've done all the data. You've done a lot of research. You've collated a lot of data and stuff. You, you've got Jerry, your you know mentor, co-founder, business partner, Um He's put you in touch with tech people to develop the app side of it. You said he yeah. wasn't funding it. Did you? Were you funding it through the salon? Yeah, basically. Right. I okay. mean, Fantastic. Um, as I mentioned before, I always wanted to have property as sort of my pension scheme, if you like, yeah. have a property portfolio. I always uh, watched the programs where they renovate houses and things like this. So mm. that was where I thought I would um, – you know, when my body couldn't tolerate the industry anymore, where mm. I would be able to, to fund myself. So this money's always been in a rainy day fund and I've been using it to fund precision color instead, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so tell us about that journey. How did, you know, like, you know, you've got all these people lined up and then someone yeah. starts developing the app for you. Then yeah. there's a big trial and error thing. You're obviously beta testing it in your salon. Like when did you get it to the point, you know, and what are some of the things that happened along the way to, to, you know, make you realize this, this works, this is, yeah. this is a business. Well, lots of things happened along the way because it was a long time. Um, my mum, for a start, she became one of the data collectors. That She enjoyed that. Mm. Um, I, I soon learned the expression, eating your own dog food, as I was told in the tech industry, but <laughs> testing your own product. And that, I can tell you, is exactly what it feels like because okay. your sort of heart and soul goes into it and you have these consultations. You know, in our industry, you have a consultation for your haircut and it happens an hour later, you see it and it's great. And you, if anything you want to change, it's visual, it's there, it's instant. Yeah. Where it, tech it doesn't work like that 
And it's comparable with building a house, really, you know. So it involved lots of meetings, um, not so much remotely. It was more at that time driving back and forth um, and developing the app bit by bit. There were all sorts. I've learned the term bugs. You have bugs in coding when you develop an application. Mm -hmm. So there were an awful lot of those, some good, some bad. And I got my staff on board um, quite early on. And it was in 2017 that we actually had a physical, tangible app that we could run in the salon and start to test. Right. Okay. And at that time, we started with Bluetooth. And I'm not a huge fan of Bluetooth myself because my experiences with it at that point were sort of my car, uh, mm. you know, a speaker in your house, and it always dropped out. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, good. Guys, so it's not, it's not just me. <laughs> no, exactly. And I say, guys, you can't convince me that this is a good idea because mm. I know, you know, I don't trust Bluetooth. Don't worry about it. We can reassure you it works differently with an app. It's embedded in the code and this and that. I said, okay. And so we had this um, scale that we um, shipped over from America. It was designed for baking cakes. Mm. And... Um, and that was, you know, a good scale. It didn't have the user display, so you couldn't use it without the app, which was mm -hmm. the key thing as well that we'd established, that you need something that will work without um, any other interruption, basically. And um, as I suspected, the, the signal would drop out, but mostly when I would move it. Mm. So at this point in time, we're app testing it. We're going through it. We're getting it better. And it's, you know, obvious we've got this product here that's that's working for us. We were saving money. I knew so because I wasn't getting any um any points from my color manufacturer anymore. At the end of the year, I usually had something for a handbag or a, a, a Dyson fan we've got going on. But this time, yeah. no. So that was good. Um, so I contacted a salon in London who I had my cousin at the time, she was working there. And so I had connections with them. They knew my face and things like this. And somebody suggested a name of the CEO. And apparently we were really fortunate to have got in front of the CEO. Mm. So we had this, uh, this big meeting, Jerry came with me and they had the head of academy there and they had the head of tech, which was good because he could obviously look at it through his tech eyes and, and judge the app. And every time I would move this app with the scale, it knew it. Hmm. And I said this to Jerry and Jerry never experienced it, you know, in, in real life. And of course, in the meeting on that day, the signal drops out. Hmm. And so we're like, and, and the, the wheel of doom, I call it, you know, it's going yeah, round, yeah, round, searching yeah, yeah. for scale, searching for scale. And it was like, yes, yeah, so that's how it works. And, the, and it's great. <laughs> Just trying to like feather over it. But um, they took it on and they knew we were, presenting it to them to beta test you know it wasn't ready mm. yet we wanted to get we wanted to stretch its legs really because my salon's in a, a smaller I'm in the southwest of England so it's a mm. smaller more quiet region and London typically is going to be a lot busier you know a lot more fast paced a lot more stylists in a salon yeah and what better what better way to really put it to the test mm. um so that's what we did and they really took to it well they liked it a lot we uh, launched it in one salon in Kent. And uh, of course, after so long, we got all the data we needed. We knew which button to put where, because for me, it was speed as a hairdresser mm -hmm. using it. And I could see that so much more, obviously, in London, that the resistance to change and the objection that people had, because, of course, the stylist didn't care. Mm. The problem was the salon owner. So how do you win over the stylists? 
you know, how do you change that habit and make them do something that inconveniences them, if you like, in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is interesting because nowadays, obviously, everybody knows tech. Everybody knows the ins and outs of their phone, no problem at all. But present them an application that's to do with something that might be a bit less of interest to them. Oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hairdressers love, you know, social media. They love Instagram and, and you know, the whole thing, TikTok, et cetera. So they love their tech on their terms. Mm. But the challenge that, that Salon Scale had, the challenge that Vish has, the challenge that, that you're going to have or have, is, is that consistency. It's getting the hairdresser to believe in it. Because there's a, I think from the hairdresser's point of view, there's some accountability. You know, yeah. it's, it's like they're accountable for their wastage. They're accountable for their sloppy formulating, you know, because there's redos got to be done, blah, blah, blah. And it's the tech that's making them accountable. Without the tech, there's a lot of sort of half bowls of stuff rinsed down the sink and no one quite knows who's had what and what's been done, et cetera, and, and that's where yeah. all the wastage is. So, I mean, I've seen lots of salons where the owners have tried to get people to really embrace this tech, and I believe in it from a business owner's point of view, definitely. And, in the, and, and I always say to people, look, here's the question. In 10 years' time, do you think more people will be using this or less? And the answer is, well, of course, more. So, okay, why wait? Why not be a forerunner? How much money do you have to lose before you start thinking this is a good idea? So um, I know you said to me before that the salon that you, you beta tested in, that they'd saved something like £500 in one week or something. Did I get that yeah. right? The was first it? 10 days, first 10 um, days. I pulled a report yeah. and uh, at that stage I had to manually do the reports. Of course, now mm. we've realized how valuable they are. Um, and I presented it to the owner and I said, look, you know, I'm struggling here with getting everybody to, to try the app. I used to come every week with yeah. cookies, to try and bait them to use it. <laughs> and, uh, and I showed him that, you know, this is working now. We've got about 80% of your staff using it and you've saved 500 quid in 10 days. Yeah. And the okay. next day everybody used it you know, I bet they did. yeah really, yeah, really yeah. yeah um so okay. it was good to, to run it through like that because i really learned a lot about resistance to change and what would win people over and what you know what was important for them yeah. and mostly the stylists after six weeks when they'd have their client come back of course then the notes were taken care of and that's what won them over right of course okay so I'm, I'm the person listening to this, okay? Yeah. Uh, so I'm a hairdresser, but I'm, not, I'm actually not a colorist, never really have been. But, you know, I, I've had salons, so I've obviously been paying the bill for color. So I'm, I'm just putting the, the, this to you from the perspective of the person listening to this. I'm trying to figure out how it works. And I keep coming back to what you said to me about there's 315 or whatever it was, permutations of technique and, and tell me if I've got this wrong, but from what I'm hearing you saying, there's 315 different permutations so far of coloring techniques that you've come up with and you've plugged them all into this app. And so now I'm the hairdresser and I've got this app and I'm doing a consultation with you and whatever we're talking about is going to be for color is going to be in that app of, I've already thought of that. It's this technique or that technique or the other technique. So how do I search on the app to find whatever the technique is that I'm doing? Okay. So the usability uh -huh. is simply you open your app, 
you have your profile there, you have a picture, which is mm. another thing stylists like actually, rather than entering a code or something, everything's got to be super quick. So you tap on your profile as a stylist, yeah. it opens your client list from mm -hmm. the salon. You select your client or you add a new client and then it opens up your service menu. So it's kind of like your price list. Yeah. It's got things like semi-permanent color, global color, these kinds of things, but mm. it's all on one, one screen. Yeah. So you select your service, then on the next screen, you've got four questions, essentially, that are all visual pictures you just tap on, whether you're applying it to wet or dry hair, whether you're applying it to thick or thin hair, mm. long or short, and then the root length, which we've actually made to scale. Thanks to the, the beta testing we did, we mm. had different user interfaces for that. And now we've got it true to scale because it represents sort of an amount of weeks. So you've got, you know, six weeks, eight to 10 weeks, lockdown roots, and then all the hair. Okay. Then you click next, and then it opens up your color chart. And that was the thing that I wanted to look like a book for a hairdresser. What we're used mm -hmm. to looking at is that chart that we might even sit down with a client and consult with. Yeah. So it, we've laid it out to look exactly like that. And you just slide across the screen left and right to find your colors. You've got your drop-down menu of the manufacturers and the color ranges that you want, developer at the bottom, and of course, you can add bowls. We made that like a WhatsApp style feature so that it was mm -hmm. familiar to people. Um, so you can add and remove bowls. You can change the quantities of the color in the bowl. You can add more, multiple colors to a bowl. And one of the exciting features in the app, which is called Smart Mix, by the way, I don't know if mm. I've mentioned the name yet. Oh, so it's not, the, it's not called Precision Color? The business is called Precision Color. Oh, got it. But the, the app is called Smart Mix. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Precision, Precision Color as a business um, provides technology as solutions for businesses trying to be more sustainable. Yeah. That's okay. essentially what Precision Color is. So Smart Mix is our, our lovely little app. And Hot Mix is a feature that I put in there because I realized when I have a, when I have a, when I'm with a client and I have an apprentice with me, and I'm running out of color or I want a bit more of color um, of another color or something. If I've asked before now for them to mix me up the color, they come out and say in front of the client, oh, we haven't got any 5 hmm. <laughs> And I'm just sort of shrinking inside while the client's going, what? <laughs> so yeah. we've built a hot mix hmm. so that you can select a color and it will tell the user how to mix that if you haven't got it in stock. Okay. Okay. So that's a really useful feature. So have you have you plugged in all the color companies? You've got all their not formulations, all the you know the numbers of each of each color product they've got. Does that all exist in the back end of the app? Yes. Yeah. All you have to do is select mm. the drop down menu, select mm. manufacturer, and what the app will do then is always default back to the last manufacturer that you selected. So you don't right. have to do that every time. Okay. Okay. And so how does the scale fit into it? Where does that come along? So you press next yeah. and then you get the mixing screen with your um, flask, mixing flask on the, on the user interface. Mm. You press next, the app talks to you as well, a bit like Alexa, mm. place the bowl in the scale and touch next button when ready. And it tells you how much you need. Now the scale going back to that, uh, the Bluetooth issues that we were having obviously persisted. Yeah. And in the days, um, we kept, we went back, we developed the app, we went back to the salon, said, right, we've taken in all the feedback, we've changed the buttons, changed the colours, added grams in places and things like this. Um, please try it again. Only we have this new and better Bluetooth scale. 
and the signal, you know, it was even worse. Mm. And it obviously transpired that basically where I am, there's only four interruptions with Bluetooth devices. Where where the scale was in London, there was 50 plus. And you can't isolate those interruptions. You can't tell people that come into the salon to turn their Bluetooth off or mm. the stylist in of the, the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I said, look, okay. I'm really not happy with this and I'm going to take it out. We're going to stop the trial. I'm going to take this out. And that's what put us back by about six months because we needed then to source a scale that was wired to give right. us the most reliable, instant connection. Mm-hmm. And of course, we discovered that people's batteries were running out of their scale and they would use that as a resistance to using it. Oh, the batteries are dead. It's not working. And, mm. you know, you, with this, it's plugged in. You never have to think about it. It's mm. on all the time using extremely low uh, wattage. And it's always there. The connection is instant and it's always there. Great. Okay. You've done all this. You've funded all this yourself at the same time as running a salon. You've now got this thing to market to yeah. really get the market penetration that you need out of it. Harry, what, what does the future look like? I suppose I'm asking you, are you going to get, are you going to get rid of the salon? I mean, how can you do both of these things at once? The salon's a really good right. test bed, but to really take this business to the next stage, is it possible to do both or not? Um, I, I don't think so, if hmm. I'm honest with you. And um, like I said before, that property was my aspiration anyway. So yeah. I always knew that I would be leaving the hairdressing industry, um, you know, pretty much 95% of my time would be yeah. needed to be devoted to that. So I'm absolutely prepared to be devoting it um, next year um, is the year, really. So that's 2022 for yeah. anyone listening. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be the time that I sort of distance myself. The salon will need to be there really because it's a great uh, beta testing site. You know, it's where it was born and all my stylists there um, love it and use the app and they give me my best feedback. So yeah, that can stay, um, okay. but my plan, no. Right. So what, what resistance do you get from in your own business? Have you had any resistance from clients? No, none at all. The clients love it. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, once you explain the problem, which of course they're completely naive to, mm. um, they love the idea that you're trying to to help with the environmental issue of color waste. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's been an idea to to bring charities into this because if I were to do your hair, Anthony, if you were having color, mm. and take you to the till and say, right, okay, so that's so and so pounds today, um, and we've managed to save six pounds in color wastage. Mm-hmm. Would you like to donate any of that to one of these charities that we support? Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. In a bit so, of an idea. Yeah, I, I, know, I know we were talking at the beginning before we started recording about the sustainability um, aspect of all this. And I know that that's something that's, you know, um, sort of important to you. And obviously it should be. It should be important to all of us. Uh, talk to us about that. I mean, is it is it just that, it saves colour being wasted, or is it more than that? Um, Well, to be honest with you, as a salon owner in the beginning of this journey, of course, for me, it was just the the financial aspect of it. I could see the bottom line Mm. um, going out and out. But as time's gone on, and one of the biggest um, obstacles in our way was, of course, the pandemic. Mm. That's brought to light. As much as it's harmed, it's helped, because it's brought to light this huge issue um, of waste and also how we 
how we get rid of our waste. Because if mm. you're going to create that waste and be responsible with it and get it taken away and not actually rinse the unpurposed hair color down the drain, that still has to be collected in a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. so it, it's, I think there's more, there's more to helping by just not creating the waste in the first place than first realize when you take 36,000 color salons in the UK, mm. you know, all contributing towards that problem. That's a lot of waste. Yeah, exactly. A, in 38 weeks, I've got 10,000 milliliters in a big glass science flask of mm. waste. I alone, the one paying for that waste created, just, that came to like 1,200 pounds. Right, just from your business? Just from me, not wow. even the business. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh my God, that is significant. All right. Which is why, you know, how can you expect your stylists to uh, to not, if that's what I'm creating and I'm conscientious? Yeah. What are yeah, the stylists yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I can see what you mean. You say clients, clients are glad. They all think they're doing their bit. They're glad to see that you're doing your bit. So there's no resistance there. Uh, what about the salon stylist? I mean, you know, I, I talk to um, many different salon owners all over the world about, you know, their, their business and the, what they're spending in different areas and what they can do to try and uh, address wastage. And often colour comes up in that conversation. And oftentimes there's a challenge. Um, we sort of touched on this already, but let's dig into that. There's a challenge with getting their staff, their team to embrace using that technology. As I said, they love the technology um, of, you know, social media and stuff, but this technology is holding them accountable. How do you see, you know, with the salons that you've worked with, with your own salon, what, what are the, the best ways to get around that and getting stylists and colorists to willingly, oh, my God, this is a fantastic tool. This is so good for not just the business and the owner's bottom line, but the environment and even for them. So what I discovered in stretching the app's legs, um, Smart Mix in London, was that competitions, everybody likes a bit of praise, everybody likes a bit of competition. So what we have built from the data, I mean, that you get from this app, as you can imagine, you know, the sky is the limit. So as a salon owner, I want to see what my staff are doing. But as a stylist, I want to know that I'm better than the person next to me or behind me. So we've developed this reporting system that shows you how many mixes the stylist has done, how many adjusted mixes, which mm. I'll tell you about in a second and how much time they've taken. So when it got to, you know, some salons from day one, they've had hundred percent use. They've taken to it really, really well. So how do you get them to compete with each other when they're all using it? So the app actually times you because one of the objections was also, Oh, it takes too long. But when we can prove that you can do about two or three bowls in 90 seconds, time wow. is not, you know, mm. time's not an issue with the app. It's really, really quick and easy to use. So it would just be a case of getting them to compete with each other. Mm -hmm. And of all the things that I tried in that testing process with regards to food, you know, Prosecco or money, the most powerful um, carrot to, to dangle was always time off. Okay. So if I, you know, if you take a salon with five stylists employed, their downtime, you know, Kelly was the best mixer last week, guys. So you go home an hour early on Friday. Right. Okay. That was the biggest motivator. 
Yeah. Time. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Not, not money or, or the bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> no, a certificate was always quite good as well. That was what we used to um, to train. Yeah. So obviously to make it inexcusably usable and, and easy to, to start, I developed a video, a little training video. And then I watched people using the training video and realized, no, you need to be able to interact with this video. So that was another again, another path that I took and we've developed these e-learning courses hmm. that can be used remotely. So I've always sort of resisted when I've taken on a new product range, when you expected to get all the staff involved in a two hour training, that's complimentary, albeit, hmm. but it's costing hmm. me a lot of money to book yeah, out yeah. every time. So in downtime in the salon or at home, the stylist can launch the course from the website and easily become familiar with the app and how it works. And the next day, just crack on and start using it. Okay. For, from the salon owner's perspective, one of the things that often comes up with these things is a security angle. So, you know, when there's an app and, you know, I'm, let's say I'm the hairdresser, Victoria is my client, and I've got her name yeah. and her details and her phone number and her color history and all of that's there. What, yeah. what, what, what do you, how do you talk about that? What are the sort of security measures that you have or, or what's your philosophy behind how you deal with that? It simply stores the first name and the last name of the client. We don't mm -hmm. need a number. We don't need an email. Um, the color notes are obviously stored on the app itself. And as it's an application that runs on a, on a tablet, it stays mm -hmm. in the salon. That's another great feature about it being wired, that it mm -hmm. doesn't walk around. Okay, so even though I've got the app on my phone, when you I walk out of the salon, phone. I don't have it on my, on the, on my phone. No. Oh, okay. So okay, I've, I've definitely got something wrong about that. I thought it was on my phone. No. Okay. No, so. it's, um, our competitor's app is on is, um, usable on the phone. Yeah. So that's great for, um, you know, freelance hairdressers and things. But because yeah. we're salon-based and, and wired as well yeah um the app stays stagnant but the information that comes from smart mix gets uploaded to your dashboard got call it. it a dashboard yeah and that's where you have remote access to it right okay does Everything it on the website does it sync in with any sort of point of sale system or is that so yeah that's that's our that's our most uh fresh feature mm -hmm. in that we didn't want, I mean, if you go down the integration route with these uh, companies, that takes longer as well. Mm. And uh, there's there's room for all sorts of bugs and issues and things with that. So what was the quickest way that we could create a simple feature for people to see what service someone has had and how much that service was worth? Mm. Because so many times we're forgotten to add some kind of Olaplex additive treatment or a toner, mm -hmm. things like that walk yeah. out of the salon all the time and it's and it's inconsistent and it's unprofessional. Mm. So with the app collecting that data in live time, what people have had, why not have that also on your dashboard on the website? Mm. So when you become a customer to SmartMix, you have your username and password that you plug in to the website, to your client portal. And within this, you have a window that opens the size you need it that you can just hover over your till screen. Or if you're, if you are still on pen and paper, mm. of course you can have it on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Within that, you'll have the information of what client is still active in the salon, what clients mm. had a mix that day, what service they've had, what color they've had and the value of that. So on the dashboard itself, um, within the reports and within the features, when you upload your stock, 
because that's another thing just to mm. <laughs> overload you again. We have a very uh, authentic stock um, ordering system. Mm. So the first time you use it, you'll input how much you spend on your color, mm-hmm. how much you want in stock of any particular color, okay. and how much you have in stock. Yeah. So that when it comes to your reporting system, I wanted it to be familiar like a bank statement. So from this date to this date, X happened. Right. This is so, how much color I've used. This is how much it costs me. And if you want to put a markup on that product, because Alicia Soulier rightfully said, it's one of the only products in the salon that, you know, doesn't otherwise make you money. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes in and it goes out and you yeah. absorb any depreciation from that stock. So by putting a markup on it, which I encourage people to do, mm. you are rightfully making money on a, a product that you've brought into the salon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That makes a lot so, of yeah. sense. So, so it's a complete inventory management like yeah. component as well, app as well. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. That, that. That's that's fantastic. Okay. So I know you are, you know, the new player in the market and, you know, we've talked about your you know, the journey forward, the next steps to how do you roll this out there? It's a big old industry, um, yeah. you know, globally. Uh, so, so how do you, well, you know, like part of the story here, which I think is always interesting, is the technology itself and how it works. But I also think that there's a great story about you, the person. You know, I, I love the, the idea that people just get these ideas on their head. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm now going to take this and turn it into a business. And uh, and I just think that's amazing. And, and you know, here you are, um, a, a, a young woman, hairdresser in a um, small country town. Okay, you're not in the middle of London, so to speak. And you've had this great idea. You've turned it into reality. You've beta tested it. It's working. You've got it in multiple salons. Um, obviously, now it's like, right. How do we explode this thing? So what what are the next steps for you now? So I think the best route to market, certainly in software, is to attach yourself to an existing successful company. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when it comes to all of the things that you need to build to run a software company, when you look to your left and, for example, my salon um, diary software company they have everything built in the infrastructure that i need is already there Mm. so it only seems right to collaborate with them and obviously we've approached uh, the big leaders the manufacturers the color manufacturers and they've actually said to me we would you know the data that this provides you'd rip off your right arm for Mm. but of course the fear for them is that their sales are going to plummet yeah of course yeah so at this point in time, they're not running. I think it will be a case of when it's, uh, when it's unavoidable, when there's enough people. Um, and that's another thing I thank the competition for because the, the quicker, the sooner that there's enough impact in the color waste um, and they can't ignore it anymore. You know, they, they listen and they take it on board. Um, so, yeah, it would just be a case of just pursuing. We have got some companies um, that we work with, some partners already, and there's obviously talk of, Europe, launching into Europe, mm-hmm. and a company have approached us about possibly using a franchise model because the technology within the algorithm with all the mixes and things, eliminating that waste from the first day is obviously the key, key thing. Um, 
And then every other thing that you want to use the app for, they're all bonuses. They're all byproducts. Mm. But obviously the key thing for most people, certainly sustainable companies, is eliminating that waste from day one. And this app, I feel, does that very well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, is it is it at the moment only in the UK or? Yeah, we're UK um, based. UK based, right. Because I've got a lot of a big audience in the United States and obviously a lot in Australia and stuff as well. So if someone's listening to this, at this point in time, they can't really access it or can they reach out to you? Well, I'd like them to reach out to me because I love solving problems. Mm-hmm. So if there is an object in the way, I'm sure we can we can move that out of the way. It only seems right that I launch in my um, local territory sure. first, yeah. but we're yeah. certainly not turning any customer away. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, what's, what's your biggest strength? You know, getting, yeah. Like, you know, looking at you, here's you, the entrepreneur. You know, I know a couple of times you've mentioned that you never saw yourself as doing, you know, hairdressing forever, that you really had a hankering to get into the property side of things, et cetera. Um, you know, looking at someone that takes a, a, an idea like this to market, um, what, what's the, what's the what, what is it about you that has, has made this possible? What's your biggest strength? What, what, what is the skill that you have that other people maybe haven't had when they come up with ideas like this, any idea? Um, well, I like to call it determination, but others might just call it stubbornness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think really when I get what we say, when I get a bee in my bonnet, mm. when I have something that just keeps coming back to me, um, I just can't sit there and, and let that stew. I have to sort of push forward with it. And I do, like I said, I love solving problems. And I think the creative side of me, which is obviously the hairdresser, yeah. um, you know, mixed with the drive and the determination to solve problems. Mm. I think that's the reason why I've pushed so hard with this and, and got it to where it is now. And I love learning mm. and I love people. So obviously this journey has taken me through all of those. It ticks all my boxes. Yeah. So I've been sort of well-fed along the way with all the things that I enjoy. If yeah. that's a good answer to your question. Oh, no, it is. No, it is. I, I mean, I love a good entrepreneurial story you know, of, of having this idea and turning it into reality because, I mean, I know I've been around a while as well, um, you know, that, that it's not easy, but it's hard work and there's many ups and downs along the way. What, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned so far with, you know, you started this or this idea, first of all, permeated itself, you know, in 2006, I think you said, I mean, that's a long time ago. And, and now you've, you've launched it, you've got it to market, you're trying to grow it. If there was, you know, if you could go back and talk to the, the young apprentice version of Victoria who came up with this idea, what, what bit of advice would you give her? What's the lesson that you've, that you've got out of that that you'd want to pass on to her to keep her strong all the way through this journey? I would say when you have an idea, don't be afraid to tell people because okay. this kind of concept that we have this perception that, you know, oh, I've got an idea, keep it secret, mustn't tell anyone in case they take it. Mm. I've learned it takes real um, determination. It takes passion. Mm. Um, it takes drive. It takes so many aspects of you and it takes a long time. So if I'd have kept it a secret up until now, it would no way be anywhere near as good as it is because it's the most unlikely of people that will give you a huge bit of advice. When I had that huge, uh, when I had the 
the task of trying to find a wired scale. I remember telling my granddad and his friend, Pat, and, you know, I thought part of me was thinking, why am I boring them with this? They're not interested. They don't know. Mm. And it was Pat that turned around and said, well, the Germans are really good, aren't they? Uh, innovation and, and scales. And you know what? It's a German scale that we used. Okay. Okay. It's a German it's a product that we found. So right. never assume that someone can't help you, you mm. know, and people, and people love to help. Yeah, yeah, that's a good bit of advice. Okay. Yeah, I would just say don't keep it a secret. Tell as many yeah. people as you can because they'll help you along the way if that's yeah. the way you're meant to go. Yeah, and when and when things haven't worked out, because I know there's lots of cul-de-sacs that you often go down when you're trying to take something to market. How do yeah. you how do you handle that when things don't work out the way you wanted? Take a breath, you know shrug your shoulders and just don't take it personally i yeah. think yeah was look a up, really okay look upon it as another problem to solve you said you like problems absolutely yeah i mean really there's there's people that um there's people that quit and there's mm. people that continue and mm. that failure is the person obviously that quits so mm. yeah i mean if it you've got to be sure that it's done its day mm. as well you know, my my vision of this now is that I owe this a destiny. I owe this project. I owe Precision Color and Smart Mix its destiny. Whether it mm. fails or succeeds, I at least have to give it the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. That helps me decompartmentalize the emotion from the, the business aspect to it. And, mm. yeah, so don't take everything, you know, the people that you meet along the way that say, well, that's a, that's a ridiculous idea. Why would you need that? And this mm. and that. You know, you, and you, you stood there looking at someone telling you that, um, don't take it personally. Oh, you've had some of them, have you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're great because if you if I got to today without any resistance or objection, yeah. I can't imagine how hard it would be to get it because you're going to get it. Yeah. You know, the day that you get it, it's going to hurt a lot. So yeah, yeah. the more objection you have, mm. it's the devil's advocate of life, isn't it? Yeah, it toughens you up along the way, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we, we need to uh, start wrapping up. Whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram, uh, social media channels, or your website so that they can uh, find out more about Precision Colour and Smart Mix? Sure. So we have a website. Um, we're on Instagram. We are on Facebook. And I'm on LinkedIn. So they would be the channels. We have a little promotion on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of videos on there. So... Yeah, I would say any of those channels. What's your preferable one? Get in okay. touch. And and they put in what? Precision Colour, Smart Mix or Victoria Tarrant? It's, it's www.precisioncolour.co.uk. Okay. And uh, colour is spelt the American way or the English way? It's spelt the English way, yeah. Right, okay. C-O-L-O-U-R. Right. Okay. All right. So I will put those links uh, on the Grow My Cell and Business website and in the uh, show notes for today's podcast, as well as the uh, social media channels, etc. Um, if you're listening to this podcast with Victoria from Precision Color and Smart Mix and have enjoyed it, do me a favor, take a shot on your a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. So to wrap up, Victoria, I've really enjoyed talking with you. It's, it's intriguing how people come up with these ideas, especially that revolve around tech. And I think we're only going to see more and more of them uh, and then manage to 
to take it to market. So I'm fascinated by what you've done so far. I think it's amazing that you've done it. Um, I know there are so many hurdles that you know that, that you have had to overcome, and so many more that you will have to overcome in order to you know really make this thing take off. But um, I, I really want to thank you for being so open and and sharing uh, your journey about um, you know what you've done and how you've done it. And uh, yeah, I just want to wish you the, the very best of luck. Um, taking this to market. So Victoria, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And can I just add quickly a side note, obviously, please get in touch with us um, for any color waste needs, but also even if you have an idea yourself, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that anyone had about the journey, etc. So if someone wanted to reach out just for that, that's absolutely great. I'd love to hear from them. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.